Welcome once again to Parks and Conversation, a rewatch celebration of the NBC classic Parks and Recreation. Uh, directed by, directed by, created by, starring all kinds of f- fun people. But this is all part of the Mike Schur universe, which uh, is a wonderful world of comedic gold. And uh, my name is Jason, and I'm joined by my friend Jeremy. Say hello, Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I get so, it. You know, six episodes. I had to do at least once. Eventually, it was going to happen, and yeah. uh, I no. am surprised. I'm just proud of you that you waste you waited this long. I did. It was a lot of I took it was a lot of restraint. Um, but you know, now with only a hundred and what nineteen episodes left, I don't have to do it ever again. I know. That's great. Thank yeah, you. We have that to look I, forward to. I, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Today, um today we're gonna be talking about season one, episode six, which is called The Rock Show. And uh <laughs> it's the season finale. And I love this episode so much. And as I was uh, preparing and reading about this this particular episode, what was amazing to me was it was the lowest viewed and highest reviewed by critics. Yeah. So like the fewest number of people watched it, but the, this was the critics finally saying they figured it out, which I think is pretty great. Um. So what are your impressions as you watch this episode, just off the bat? What what did you feel like as a season finale? It's a short season, but as a season finale, what did you think about this episode? I, I thought it was great. I It didn't really feel like a big cliffhanger season finale, honestly, but it definitely felt like they they finally hit their stride with their characters and kind of how they're balancing their the the characters' work life and then their social life as well um there is so many great jokes in this one um and and they i i read a quote that this was this was the episode that they felt like they had finally eliminated the comparison to the office and that i they're really finding their own tone and uh yeah this was this was a great this really sets up so much of parks and recreation moving forward and that's another reason why i really love this episode too um it's because it's hard to view it objectively no watching all the other episodes and now you really get to see where where this this uh the show is going to go which i thought was really fun how what did you think well i i agree with you it was a great picture of of our friends in pawnee indiana getting to know them a little bit better. Um, we met some new characters, learned some important things about some existing characters. And if this show did not get picked up for a second season, like it would have felt like a good ending the way the season ended. Hmm. Um, because uh, we can get into the end, but I just, did, I felt like, well, this is actually a pretty good, like if they get canceled, this is a pretty good end to this cancellation. Like it ends with some optimism with Leslie um, and her determination and some transformation in her as a character as well, which I really appreciated. So yeah, uh, let me give a quick synopsis quick, uh, just off the top of my dome, what this episode is about. Do it. Andy is going to get his casts removed from both of his legs. Finally, <laughs> finally. And as a part of the celebration, he uh, is inviting people to a rock show that his band, currently named Scarecrow Boat, is performing. Uh, and that's one 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 stream is the rock show. Another stream is Leslie is set up on a date uh, that she doesn't know is a date, but it is. And uh, and so that those those two streams are in tension throughout this episode. Um, and so that's kind of the main arc of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Did I leave anything important out for a synopsis? No, I think you nailed it. All right, perfect. So right off, right off the bat, the cold open is the the gang. We've got Tom, and Leslie, Andy, and Doctor Harris in the cold <laughs> open. And Doctor Harris is arguably one of the best portrayals of a doctor that I've ever known. I've ever seen. Just so, like, matter of fact, I don't care. You're. All human bodies are just meat bags walking around. Um, that's basically the Dr. Harris vibe. So uh, I think I nailed it. <laughs> and you're all idiots. Like I'm the, I am yeah. the smartest guy in the room. Exactly. Yeah. So um, 
So I don't know why Tom is at this, really. Because well, Tom's not, not friends with Andy. Right. Well, and not only that, but in the, he, he has a stethoscope in the opening shot. I'm like, where, where did he get that? Like, why does he have, well, I don't know. Who did he talk out of their stethoscope? You know, Tom, as we'll see, Tom is a shopaholic. So he might just have one. Later on in the in the series, we'll see. He has some very interesting shopping habits. It's true. Probably so he got it from Sky Mall. Yeah, he was like, you know what? Hey, we're going to the hospital. Today's the day. I got to wear my my stethoscope. Yeah. So Tom is always prepared for what he needs to least be prepared for. Right. So um. So yeah. So Andy goes and gets his cast off, and uh, they open it up. Have you ever broken a bone? I have. I've had a, a large body cast myself, actually. On your leg. Uh, all the way from my toes up to my chest. I broke a, I broke my femur when I was 12 years old, and uh, yeah, I had a I had a full I had a body cast. Are you joking? I'm not joking at all. It no. went all the way up to your chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, let's let's, let's let's talk about it. <laughs> How does that even work? Uh, uh. They they create like you know you know how you have those those uh, those pajamas with the flaps in them. They make casts kind of the same way. If that's what you're wondering, that is yeah. I'm very confused. Do you, I need? I'm, I mean, we're friends, and yeah, yeah, this is fine. the first. This is the first I'm hearing about this. Let's talk about um, it on the internet. <laughs> what other health concerns? Um, but uh, <laughs> I do you have family photos of this? Can you can you show can you prove this? Oh, probably, <laughs> like I need, probably I need to see this. Probably somewhere. Um, okay, yeah, it, was, it was a whole thing. My mom had to make uh, special shorts that snapped on the sides, just so you know. <laughs> I wasn't. That's amazing. I, I wasn't wearing a blanket every you know all the all you the didn't time. Have to just walk around in a Homer Wonder, Simpson muumu. No, I, I I couldn't walk around. I was bed. I was in a bed for like you know several months because. Yeah, I went through what Andy went through, basically. And uh, no, like there's a joke where he just he's like, oh, I can't wait to walk. And he falls. That, that's a real thing. That is absolutely real. <laughs> so uh, there were and, and, and when they said uh, it's like a sweaty pinata when they opened it up. It's, right. tr- it's true. There were objects in my cast, not not to the, not to the uh, amount of Andy's, but there were there was some stuff in there. I think there was a couple M&Ms for sure. Oh, um, oh yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> There definitely was one scratch stick that I lost. It was like a, one of those skewer, like a, a skewer. It's, it's itchy. It's hard, you know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, this ask, is... Ask me anything. I'll, I'll tell you. Well, I don't want to know too much. Okay. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, like, I've never broken a bone in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I've never had a cast. And so I, I was just, I, I genuinely had no idea that this was a part of your experience. So, um, wow. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I was going to ask, did you find stuff in there? And so, yeah, some some candy yep, and some, candy. some scratch sticks. Mm-hmm. That was about it. You, you didn't find your iPod uh, no, or they, your pirate? No, they weren't invented at the time. Although I did out of this whole thing, that's when I got my Game Boy. I think that's when my my uh, my, my parents and my grandparents kind of pulled together and were like, hey, this guy is going crazy. He's driving us crazy. Uh, get him something to occupy his time. And that's that's when I was just able to you know play video games for the very first time in my life. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, you know, at least something good came out of it. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'd do it again if I had to. <laughs> totally worth it. I'm sorry. Uh, right. That was my wife is texting me. That was a, a text. Sorry. Um, wow. That yeah. I am just I'm just blown away by what I just learned. So I don't know what to say about it. It's okay. You can, you know, circle back to it. We can, you know, we can talk about it later. Not a problem. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we hang out, so it, it'll come up again. Sure. Um, all right. So <laughs> Leslie though, as part of this, she also wants to keep the cast. Uh, did you keep your cast? I did not. Um, I kept, uh, not, not to get too graphic, but I, because of the femur, I was in traction and that means that they had to actually put a, a screw through kind of like right below my knee and then hang my leg. It's a whole thing. I got to keep the, the bolt that went through my leg, which I thought was cool. Wow. Yeah. You still have it? I do somewhere. Yeah. It's in a, a baggie somewhere. That's good. That's yeah. a good place to store that. Um, uh-huh. a, a baggie somewhere. It is medical waste at that point, I think. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Man, we learned so much today. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
I feel <laughs> so, so I feel so much closer to you, Internet. Yeah. Wow. All our Internet friends. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Andy gets up and is like, it's going to feel so good to walk. And he falls right over. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's a real thing that you experienced as well. Yeah. Your muscles atrophy that you get weaker because you don't use them. So uh, much like, you know, I, I really I could really uh, empathize with how Sandra Bullock fell, felt at the end of gravity. It's like, you know, I was basically an astronaut in a sense because my muscles yes. atrophy, too. I totally get it. You were an astronaut. Yeah. Um, yeah. The closest thing I have to this is one time when I was in high school, I got out of bed and uh, like I was in a rush. Like I slept in. I was like, oh, crap, I got to go. And I swing my feet around. And both of my feet were asleep and oh. I just stood up real fast and fell right over because I, de- I didn't have any feeling in my toes and my feet and I just fell over. And uh, that's a scary feeling. Yeah. When it's like, I can't support my own weight anymore. I don't know what's happening. Does it ever happen like after like you go to the bathroom for a long time, like you sit for a long time and then like you lose all the feeling in your legs? Is that just um, me? Is that just me? I've never lost all the feeling in my legs uh-huh. from that experience but my feet have fallen asleep yes there you go all right well that's so, good yeah um okay well cool we've uh we've definitely covered some bases here so uh yeah so that's the cold open credits happen they go to a, par- a party in the patio uh where they're eating cake and it's like a field because they're you know they're trying to build a park for the parks and rec um they're eating cake and andy's inviting everybody hey come to my show and uh did you see the pigeon on the cake Yes, yeah, that was great. They, they, they've cut around like, but nowhere near where the pigeon is at. And the no. pigeon doesn't seem to care. No, it's on the teeter totter. It's having a great time. Yeah. It's like, this is a great pigeon park. Yeah. So um, that's edible. Totally edible. Um, so the uh, <laughs> and as she's talking about Andy, like getting out back into the world um, and writing a bunch of songs, he just writes songs that are about things that are close to him. Those are some of the best songs that I've ever heard, especially the lamp. I wish you were the lamp, the kind of lamp that lit up when you were touched. That's a good song, man. That's a good song. Yeah. Um, and at this scene as well, this as he's Andy is trying to explain his music. And uh, as somebody who used to be in a band, I totally get what Andy is trying to do because you don't want to say, oh, yeah, we sound just like this. Right. Or, we're just rock music because you feel even though your band might be uh, at the technical term is hot garbage, you mm-hmm. feel like it, uh, it's very important and very special and, and it's hard to box it in. And so Andy's trying to talk about all this stuff. And he says, um, he gives all kinds of comparisons to different bands. And Tom says, Oh, so like rock music. Well, no, not really. And this April talks to Andy directly and says, I totally understand what you're talking about. And this is the first time April talks directly to Andy in the entire series. Mm-hmm. And so that's an important moment for the future. It is. It changes the trajectory uh, of a huge chunk of the show. Yeah. Right. And so this is where, um, you know, they're talking about the thing and Leslie's like, Oh, I want to go so bad, but I've got this important meeting that uh, my wife, my mom set up uh, with a planning commissioner of Eagleton. And so, there's that tension point. She really wants to go, but she's, she's also dedicated to her work. So that classic, classic Leslie. Um, I love that she calls right. it. I love that she calls it a tête-à-tête. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so it's so it's a summit. It's a, so important. Well, you know, it's us. It's two representatives of city governments yeah. from two different cities coming together to solve the problems that the world needs solved in this small town in Indiana. They're making things and it's happen. neighboring town. Yeah. Totally making making it happen. So, um, and then cuts to Mark. Mark just really does not love his job as has been shown. He's kind of the, I do the job, but I don't really care about it guy. Mm-hmm. And a guy comes in, hey, congratulations on the speed bump. Uh, he lowered it by two inches. And the guy's, his coworkers like trying to congratulate him. It's like, Mark's like, this doesn't matter. This whole thing that I just did doesn't matter. Um, and I there do- are days yeah. where your <laughs> where job, would- job can literally be measured. Right. And you're like, Oh, that's what I did today. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to the hospital where Anne 
as a good, awesome girlfriend. She's trying to support Andy and the band. And she's handing out flyers, inviting people to come. And she talks to Dr. Harris, who, again, uh, I love Dr. Harris. He's so good. Uh, and uh, he says to her, like, oh, well, I, you know, Andy could have gotten his cast off two weeks earlier. But he said there was some best, but important reason why he couldn't. And you'd explain it to me later. And he never explained it. And then oh, Andy, man. Uh, oh, man. Andy says, Andy said, Anne says, I've been serving him hand and foot for for this whole time. And Dr. Harris, just totally deadpan. That explains it. I love it. And then his laugh, and then his little laugh at the end, too, is just like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, idiot. man. Dr. Harris is so good. Yeah. Such a good character. Um, I didn't look up to see who he is, if he's like a writer or something on the show. But um, yeah, I just think because he comes back again next season. Yeah. Several times throughout the show, actually. But. And that's something yeah. like super fast that I, I mean, it, we don't make a big deal about it, but you and I talked about this when we were talking about this podcast, Parks and Rec in my mind has some of the best, I think we, we came up with tertiary characters and maybe we even talked about it on the podcast, but like these small characters that keep coming back and they're so, they're, fu- they're v- so funny and, and it builds this world and they keep bringing them back. And I, I think they did. I don't know of many shows who have done it as well as Parks and Recreation, at least that I've noticed. I know, um, you know, like Seinfeld had some some reoccurring characters, which is great. But those those little reoccurring characters really flesh things out and you get all these different looks of, you know, humanity and just all the different jokes that can come out of it. So, yeah, I I love I love all these characters. So we'll we'll point them out, obviously, as we go through, because there are some amazing, amazing characters coming up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the office had some like oh. Bob Vance fans refrigeration. Yes. But it was all related to, we all work in this space. Right. And we didn't really get a lot of extra life from people. Right. Outside of their work. Whereas this is in a small town. And so a small town is going to have all kinds of people who will be in your life all the time Yeah, because they live there. So like in Edmonds here, uh, there's a guy who walks around and he measures the water temperature. How does he measure the water temperature? I I I, I think he just goes in and uh, <laughs> kind of checks it out, and then he he writes it down on his his pad of paper. I think he has a thermometer of some kind. Right, uh, he does. But he walks around in cut off shorts and no shirt. That, I mean, that's another <laughs> thing that you should know about him. And everybody knows him. He's our yeah. he's a town character. It's great. Like he right. would, he would be in the show and it's fantastic. Yeah. And every day he's doing what he can to check the water temperature every day. What, a, what it, a great character. when you, when you're downtown Edmonds, totally normal. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, this, he's always here. It's fine. No problem. But when you see this guy fully clothed around town, you're like, I feel like I know you somehow. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out you do. Um, and he's just at the library entering in his <laughs> weather data on the Internet because I don't know if he has Internet at home. So, well, and that's and little, that's little uh, details you learn about this guy. That's right. And that's what's great about the show. Bringing it back to the actual podcast is that these characters have these these lives outside of what they do. But we only see them for this brief moment. And and when we see them like in our towns, we're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like that. That's normal. But if you were to visit Pawnee or Edmonds and see this guy, you're like what? What a freak. Like what? This is so bizarre. Why is that allowed? Why? Why is this guy walking around with cutoff shorts and no shirt? It's like, oh, it's fine. And, and yeah, so, well, yeah. And Pawnee. Had, problem? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. So many good characters. Yeah, and uh I, and when people think about it, like your your town that you grew up in or where you live now, you're going to see the same people over and over again. And it's good. It's fun to pay attention and see, like, notice things. And that's really, I think, where comedy comes from is noticing right. the the absurdity of like normal stuff. And so Parks and Rec does a really good job of noticing the absurdity of all of this and maybe that's where i was getting at is that we get so you get so used to it that what is could be perceived as absurd just feels normal and if you were to think about your town growing up there's and you just sat and thought about it all the people in your neighborhood uh that they would probably end up being like really interesting characters that we've just it's just been so normal we've been around it for so long it's yeah it's just normal to us so anyway yeah 
Good. Awesome. Glad we got that um, taken care of. Yeah. Well, you know what? We learn about the show. We learn about our lives. You know, podcasting. We learn about each other. Yeah. So much stuff to learn. Um, speaking of things to learn, they cut back to the bar and we learn about Andy. <laughs> Transitions, man. I'm all about segues. Uh, we learn about Andy's band and their long history. And this is where we get Andy's band names. And I have a picture of them. I would like to read them. Uh, is that all right with you, Jeremy? I would love nothing more. Okay. This is a quote from Andy Dwyer. And I know you could probably just go watch this on Netflix. But uh, I think every time we consult the tomes, it's good to uh, have some things that we say out loud. Um, all right. So the band has had a few different names over the years. When we started, we were Teddy Bear Suicide. But then we changed it to Mouse Rat. Then we were God Hates Figs, Department of Homeland Obscurity, Flames for Flames, Muscle Confusion, Nothing Rhymes with Orange, and Everything Rhymes with Orange, Punch Face Champions, Rad Wagon, Puppy Pendulum, Possum Pendulum, Penis Pendulum, Handrail Suicide, Angel Snack, Just a Tip, Three Skin. Oh, Jet Black Pope. We went back to Mouse Rat, and now we are Scarecrow Boat. God, when I hate when I my, say it out loud, my, I kind of hate it. <laughs> so those are the names of the band. Which of those would you say are your favorite names? Uh, I love I love God Hates Figs. I thought that was uh-huh. was really great. Um, uh, I, the Andy Andy Andes was one of my favorite ones because it's you can spell Andy three different ways. Um, and uh, oh, what was the other one? Uh, two Doors Down, which I thought was pretty funny because they kind of sound like Three Doors Down, but yeah, they're not quite as good. How about you? Uh, my favorites are Department of Homeland Obscurity and Radwagon. <laughs> Radwagon would actually be a pretty awesome name for a band. Like yeah. <laughs> Radwagon. <laughs> like if you went to a show and like you went to go see, uh, you know, you're like in 1994. You went to go see Pearl Jam. Radwagon would be the opening band. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that would just be the way it is. Like before they blew up, before they were huge, Radwagon, Ribbon Fish, Pearl Jam. Those are like, that's the lineup in Seattle. Right. And so, yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. So they uh, do the sound check and all this stuff. And Anne comes back at this point and she is mad um, because she's, uh, she knows that Andy has been putting off the uh, the removal of his cast. And so she's really, really upset. And Andy uh, does everything he can to avoid that conversation. So, um, but as this, it starts intertwining between the two scenes. And this is where we come to see Leslie and her meeting with George from Eagleton. Um, and this is right away. As somebody like as an observer, you realize Leslie's coming at this for one reason. George, when he asks, what kind of movies do you like? is coming at this whole meeting for a whole nother reason. And uh, Leslie does not realize what's going on for a little bit. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah. And, and, I don't even know what to say about this other than it's awkward. Yeah, it's super awkward. And I, and I love, I, I actually kind of like this, this trope, if you will, of, of, of the, the joke of withheld information. So he knows that it's a date, but she doesn't. And, and so as they're talking, the common thread, the things that they're talking about can be con- construed from two different, two different angles. And uh, I think that's where a lot of the, the comedy kind of comes from. And you see this used a lot uh, in, in shows, um, but it only works until the other person, until the other person finds out the information, right? So mm-hmm. as, as soon as Leslie figures out that it's a date, that gag is kind of up and then they have to, they have to change it up just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I also thought about it kind of from the, the side of, where if we didn't know, if we never found out that her mom, Marlene, had set her up on this date, how would this scene even play out? So like as as an audience, we have to know that this is a date because that makes it awkward. You know, so so we have that information, even though Leslie doesn't. And so as soon as she finds out, then she's in on it. And that's when it gets really awkward. And it's like, OK, she could get out. So then they have to ra- ramp up the awkwardness and that's when he's like okay well anyway and he starts she feels so sorry for him 
as he's kind of saying how hard life has been since the divorce, uh, especially on his kids, so not his his real kid, his older kids because they're old, but you know, his grandkids has been tough on them, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> like my adult kids, they don't care that we got divorced, but the grandkids. And so she's like, yeah. uh, Oh boy. But then he gets, I love her reaction. Cause she goes, you know, she's like, she feels sorry for him at this point. She's like, all right, I got to hang out. And then he's like, well, anyway, you know, don't talk about your divorce on the first date. And he grabs her hand. And now she's like, and now it's, now it's, awkward she wants now she really wants to get out of this date and at that that point i'm not sure why she doesn't but i think it's because she still politically wants to get that uh zoning uh information from the guy because she still right I, I think there's a little bit of hope there that she can actually this what might help her park i don't know what did what did you think well i think she felt trapped first of all as soon yeah. as she realized what's going on like i don't know how to get out of this i've never been in this situation before what do you do? There's no protocol. Right. And uh, so that's that's part of it. But I do think you're right that she does still want his input on how she can move the park forward because that's the most important thing in her life right now. I yeah. need this park to happen. Well, and she got put in this situation by her mom who set her up on this date without telling her. And I think it goes back to kind of talking about, you know, the Tellison Awards and how her mom isn't as good of a person as she really thinks. I mean, and and it was a really political thing because I don't think, you know, it. I think she was hoping that he wouldn't say that it was a date, but she didn't really care either way. So she didn't take Leslie's feelings into consideration at all when she did this. So I, right. you know, I, I just think that's, that's kind of interesting that her mom, and I think that's why she doesn't get used a lot in the series. Um, but then I had the question, how did, how did Leslie become so optimistic about life? Like her mom seems to be kind of devious and kind of the worst, you know? Um, so how did Leslie end yeah. up being a good person? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth exploring because there's no way to know. But well, we do see, though, that this is a trait in Leslie's life very early. Yeah. That she wants to help and she wants to be a part of, uh, you know, political, um, the political machinery of the town. And, you know, she has these dreams early in her life. And we'll get to that down the road. Right. About her pol political aspirations. But I think, you know, regardless of where you are born, or what kind of family you're brought up in, there are certain things that are hardwired into people's personalities that uh, that overcome that can overcome a lot of the weirdness about the world that you're you're raised in. But one of the things is Leslie is so like laser focused on whatever's important to her, right? That she probably just disregards everything that her mom did growing up. That would be outside of the narrative that Leslie wants to tell. Yeah. And that, and that helps feed into that idea that she is a bit naive to all these other things because she wasn't exposed to the political machinations of her mom and, and all these things. I, I kind of also think, I mean, not to do too much backstory, but cause I don't know if this is true or not, but I just kind of envision this little kid who like sees her mom as this political figure. She's important. She wants to be like her, but then her mom's so like, so busy that she's not around much. So she's like playing, you can just see her like playing instead of playing how she's playing politician. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. That would be hard to uh, yeah. get other kids to want to play that. Like I, I had a hard time just getting Daniel Lorenz around the corner to want to like pretend to be Ninja Turtles with me. So, um, you know, you, important you, stuff. <laughs> you got to go with what you know, you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So Leslie and George, um, <laughs> as part of the date, I love that. <laughs> Uh, as the evening goes on, at while well, they're still at the dinner, George asks her again, "What kind of movies do you like?" <laughs> and then he says, "Oh, senior moment," because this guy is like sixty-two years old, and she's in her thirties. And uh, yeah, so the you, fact that her mom is like, "It doesn't matter. Right. Like, just go have dinner with him. It doesn't matter. Just you need to meet people. You need to get out there, Leslie." So. There's so many, so many old jokes, which I right. thought they were, they were pretty nice. But when he goes, oh no, I think it's going really well. She looks like a young Sandy Duncan. And it's, <laughs> it's like 99% of the people watching won't get that. And that's great. Yeah. And I, I actually had to look up Sandy Duncan and I was like, oh yeah, yeah I, I, I know who this is, but that's, it's so great. Cause like, he's so out of touch. It's fantastic. Yeah. I know who Sandy Duncan is, but I did not know what Sandy Duncan looked like when she was young. Yeah. She's never been young in my lifetime. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right. So then it comes back to the bar. And uh, this is where we meet some important uh, characters for the future um, and learn more about Ron because Ron is dating his ex-wife, Tammy's sister, because the sister also hates Tammy. And we don't know anything about Tammy yet other than Ron hates her. So she's the worst. She's the worst. Absolutely the worst. But then we also meet uh, Tom's wife, Wendy. And uh, uh, she's a surgeon. She's very attractive. And Tom does everything he can to make sure everybody knows that uh, by pointing it out when they first are introduced to, to Wendy. So we're meeting some people's uh, life. And then we also meet April and her companion, uh, Derek, who's gay. Um, but they hang out and they make out sometimes. So April's got a weird life. Yeah. Um, is that Derek or Ben? I didn't catch. I think is it Derek... was I think it was Derek. Okay. Yeah. Ben is Derek's boyfriend. That's right. Yeah. Okay. The it's, young people. Yeah, the young people. It's hard to keep up. It's hard to uh, stay, keep everyone on track. Um, and Ron comes as he's meeting all these people. And, uh, or not Ron, Mark comes meeting all these people. Mark came to this concert alone and he, everybody's coupled up except Mark. And so that is one of the, we've already caught that, that Mark is unhappy with his work. He walked away from the, trying to pick up chicks at the bar with Tom in the previous episode. And so Mark is kind of, trying to figure out what his life is all about and in this moment like nothing's working for him yeah i think this is the beginning of him of them really writing him out of the story i feel like they're setting him up to go question everything like he's 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 bored with the girls at the bar like you said and now his job and he's alone and so now it's you could easily see him just kind of like i need to figure out my life and just kind of get out of this situation and make a change so i think they're really setting up for him to not be around the next uh bit for the next season right so they could have written him out right at the end they could have they could have but they chose (laughs) not to we'll get there (laughs) yeah um so we'll get there eventually um yeah so the band starts playing excuse me the band uh starts playing scarecrow boat at this point and uh they are not bad and in looking up a little bit about the show uh they were supposed to just be playing just to uh, like pretend playing, and they were going to put the audio in later. Um, but they act, the band actually sounded good. And so that's all live recording of the band playing uh, for these uh, for the songs that they sang. So yeah. I thought that was interesting because it's really, uh, it's really difficult to do well uh, to record a live concert um, as well as having the dialogue with the actors and all of that. It's, it's difficult. And for a 22-minute uh, show on primetime, might not be worth it, but it sounded good. Yeah, they're yeah. all they're all playing their own instruments, and uh, yeah, I thought that was that was crazy. Um, yeah, the bass. Some of these songs, like I would actually like, <laughs> I would love if they actually released a Scarecrow Boat or Mouse Rat album like, with all these songs. That would be awesome. But I don't know why they never. I, if they did it, I didn't catch it. And if, if they never did, I don't know why they never did. Yeah, it seems like a missed opportunity. For sure. Yeah. Um, and so um, Andy knows that Anne is mad at him. And uh, and so one of the things he tries to do, he, he has an acoustic set where he sings a song dedicated to Anne. The song is called Anne. And it's very obvious that he's making it up on the spot because there are no words other than Anne. Um, but you got so. to hand it to Chris Pratt. He did make that song up himself. Yeah. So way to go, man. It's yeah. really good. I was really proud of him. What, what, uh, so hold on before we go too far on during this right before that, um, right before they, they get to his song, they cut into a song that says um, he's like staying together forever. And he it's the the mouse rat song. And uh, just talk about how you and I were going to stay together forever. And as they do that, they pan, they, they take shots of all of the people um, dancing to this song and he's and none of them stay together that's true um yeah yeah so ron ron and the the sister they don't stay together um uh oh now i'm trying to think of all the the, i should have written it down um april and her boyfriend they don't stay together um 
Tom, yeah, and Tom, Tom and Wendy don't stay together. So I just thought that was that was interesting. And then even um, <laughs> Leslie and her date show up and uh, obviously they don't stay together either. Right. And I love the way that uh, Tom <laughs> talked when uh, when George and Leslie show up. The concert's basically over at that point. But the way that uh, George introduces or Tom introduces George to Wendy. Uh, he says, this is Wendy, my wife. She's my age. Yes. <laughs> He's the king of those little, those just those small slights, right? Like, oh, so good. I love that so much. Um, so, uh, but we went a little too far ahead because um, while Andy is singing his song to Anne, Mark comes over and starts talking to Anne um, and tries basically to see like, hey, why are you with Andy? And uh, if you weren't, would you be interested in me? And that does not go well for uh, for Anne. She gets real mad at that point as well. Um, so it only makes things worse for her, uh, for Anne. Her, she just gets more and more angry as the night goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where we are introduced to the rock ballad of the ages. The pit. I fell in it. The pit. You fell in it. The pit. We all fell in it. The pit. Man, what a good song. I I would totally listen to that song and enjoy it. Because, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Yes. Um, yeah, so, that, so then George and Leslie show up and that whole scene happens. Concert's over. Anne is mad. She wants to go. Um, but... Andy is trying to do everything he can again to stay away from that conflict with Anne. And so he's like, we got a debrief with the band. And then Liz is like, Oh, we missed it. Can you do the encore? And, and he's like, yes, that's a great idea. But Anne <laughs> prevails and uh, they leave. I, I love too how they had packed everything up. And I think it's Burley, the um, one of the, the guitar players, like when he says, all right, get everybody, get everything back out. And you know, everything I've never been in a band, but everything I've ever seen on television and shows moving gear is a big headache, but Bur- it's the worst. It's the worst. But Burley's reaction, he's just got his beard and he just kind of looks at him. He's like, all right, yeah, that's good. yeah, good idea. Let's do that. Just that yeah. that little that little head nod. Like, yeah, okay. Well, this band goes through so much with Andy Dwyer. Like they endure him uh in so many ways, but they think about it, like they haven't done a show for as long as he's been in those casts. Right, it's true. So it it is one of those things where it's like, well, we do like playing together, so let's play some more. Why not? Yeah, Mouse the band is its own has its own arc, which is which is just so fantastic. Uh yeah. Uh man, these characters, these band, this oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um so, uh so they leave. Everybody starts to leave. George falls asleep and Tom asks, "Is he asleep or is he dead? Is he asleep or is he dead?" And then uh, he wakes up like, "I should go home." They do a talking head. He's like, "I don't think I'm going to see Leslie again." There was no spark there. <laughs> right. So, uh yeah. Good was, for for everybody there. Yeah, it was his it was it was her fault. That's that's what it was. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, people are leaving and uh, they ask like <laughs> Wendy asks Tom, how did Leslie meet that guy? And he used to read to her at the senior center. Yeah. Um, he has Benjamin Button disease and <laughs> all, all kinds of funny things. Uh, he's actually six. Um, so but then Ron says and this is where we get a little bit more picture of Ron. Who wants to watch me climb a tree? Yes. And they all say, yeah, let's do it. So we, we're starting to get a picture of Ron as like the man's man who can climb a tree, who who is is going to be strong. And I was even just at walking through my Netflix trying to find this episode because we had watched ahead with the kids. Um, I saw Ron's pyramid of manliness. I was like, oh, man, there's so much good stuff coming our way. Yeah. Um, so uh, they all leave. But Mark and Leslie... Um, they, they stick around the bar, they have beers together, um, and, uh, basically like close bar closes and then they go get beers to go and go to the pit. Well, no, that, that was, I've never heard of beers to go and it must be an Indiana thing. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know. I don't drink, uh, alcohol. I've never really been to a bar, like all of these things, like there's a whole culture. I don't know. Yeah. Like I know that there's like drive through margarita stands in like, yes, the, I've the seen South. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I remember uh, visiting my my grandparents in Arizona um, years ago, and you could walk into like a Seven Eleven, 
and there or uh and there'd be there'd be alcohol like an alcohol aisle right yeah yeah that's yeah that's a whole it's a whole thing it's a whole different world and up here in uh you know the nanny state of washington uh there's so much control no there isn't there's there's legalized weed it's crazy everywhere smells terrible um (laughs) the other day we're driving home um no this is what happened okay i got it this is not Parks and Rec, but it's by what could be considered a pit. It's a cemetery. Um, we're driving past the cemetery. Those are and pe- it, they're, they're people pits. Exactly. A whole bunch of them. We're driving past the cemetery and it smells like weed, like so bad. Um, and and the kids are like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, that's that's the, that's the smell of our region now. That's that's marijuana. It's awful. Don't ever smoke it because you'll never get away with it. Everyone can smell it. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, and so we drive and we're gone for hours. Hours, Jeremy. We come back past the cemetery again. Still smells like marijuana. It was so bad. So anyway, that has nothing to do with anything other than uh, marijuana smells terrible. So uh, <laughs> I was always wondered too, like it kind of smells like you ever driven over it like by a dead skunk? Yeah. And it's very yeah. similar. It's a very similar smell. And now I look back on my childhood and I wonder how many times we passed people who had been smoking and my parents said, oh, man, smells like somebody ran over a skunk. Yeah. Is that just a euphemism? Because I've never actually smelled a skunk. Is that just something our old hippie parents said? (sighs) Man, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) To get us to not think about weed. Right. I don't want to have that. What's that smell? Well, it's obvious. It's a skunk. It's like, oh, that's gross. All right. Conversation over. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, better get some tomato juice, right? That's what I saw on the Disney show. (laughs) You bathe in tomato juice. The Disney show? I don't know. It was on some (laughs) Disney program. So How to to remove uh, uh, stains and smells? No, like the Walt Disney way. Exactly. What you want to do is cut off your head and cryogenically freeze it for the future. Then you won't smell anything. Um, Problem solved. Problemo solved. Okay, so uh, Mark and Leslie, beers to go. They go to the pit and they start talking about the park and they start doing all kinds of like daydreaming. Part of it is, I mean, they to show how drunk they are, you know, Mark throws his in his beer bottle in the pit trying to get in in a shopping cart. Leslie tries to throw hers in and she misses the pit entirely. It goes behind her. Um, so they're clearly drunk. They are wasted. Well, yeah, because she would never, she would never do that. No, like she would never throw garbage. I mean, she even tries to say, Hey, and that's why Mark is kind of the worst because he's, he's trying to get her to do something she normally wouldn't do even a small, I mean, he even makes a comment. It's just one beer bottle. What could it matter? Which just sums up his whole kind of his character. Like he just doesn't see the good, like nothing's going to be, nothing is fixable. And Leslie, I love the fact that they wrote in, like, she doesn't just throw it in, she misses. And it sets up a joke. You missed, and you couldn't even hit a pit. But it also kind of saves her because even though she acts out on it, it doesn't actually go in. So it goes behind her. I I don't know. I don't maybe I read into it too much. But I I like the fact that she didn't throw it into the pit. She didn't succumb to that. And even if she wanted to, she couldn't. Like, it's like, (laughs) it's like, it's like the universe was like, no. And the bottle flies behind her. You know, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it's just, or she's just really drunk. She could be really drunk. I don't know. So there's there's a couple reads on this. Let me have uh, let me have this one. Um yeah, so so they start dreaming about the pit and sitting on the little bench thing there um that is left over. I don't know where that came from. When you like think about the stuff that's at the pit, like where did that those two bench seats come from? But um I don't want to think too much about the garbage set design. There. I think set the set design brought it in. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to sit down sometime. Yeah. Oh, let's bring these in, but make sure they look like garbage. Um, so, and, and Andy who live next door to the pit are fighting. Um, and, and, and Andy finally tells the truth about why he didn't, because I just really like it when you serve me food. <laughs> and the, and the way he delivered that line, the way he said it, it's almost as though he was expecting her to think like that was okay. Like that was his, right. like I, I only did it because I like that you served me food. Like, right. Yeah. No, so, not acceptable. Yeah. Still wrong. And I love Anne, Anne's response. Take 
a walk on your overly healed legs. And let me think about this relationship. <laughs> overly healed. <laughs> Love so it. he goes outside and he sees that Mark and Leslie are out there and uh, they start Mark and Leslie start kissing. And Leslie says, no, I don't want this to happen this way again. And uh, Mark's like, it's not a big deal. Again, Mark's whole thing is like, nothing is a big deal, but it is a big deal to Leslie. And she's right. starting to um, develop some personal agency here. She was already set up on a date with an old man that she didn't want. And now she's in this situation where, you know, she has some kinds of feelings for Mark, but uh, she does not want to have a, any kind of encounter where like it's meaningless. She wants some kind of meaning in her relationships. Uh, and so she says no to Mark and he gets up and he's drunk and he falls in the pit. <laughs> we just sang a song about this. Whoa. Um, it, yeah. And it, I love how they actually like play end to the song, the, the uh, end of the show here, the, the music uh, for the pit. Like they, that's the song that they are ending the season on is I, Andy's not the only one falling in pits. Uh, we all fall in the pit. So, um, and so Andy goes and tells Anne to, he needs help. You better go check it out. You're a nurse. He's probably hurt pretty bad. <laughs> Laughing and, the uh, whole way as he does it. <laughs> yes. And then he just jumps onto the couch and is like right back where he started. And Anne is responding. She's going outside. We don't see what's going to happen there. But that's the end of the season. Six episodes. Yeah. And there, there was no post scene. There was no. Yeah. There was just no. There, there's no cap. No. It just ended. And. um when I said earlier that it, this could be a good ending to the series if they didn't get picked up um, because it just like Leslie is like, no, we're going to I'm going to build this this park. This is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then we also, um, you know, the agency that we see in her to say no, um, even though she was feeling bad about herself, she was feeling bad about her relationships. Um, it was just not a good night for Leslie, but she was still able to say like, no, this is important. This th these relationships are important to me, and I don't want something that's meaningless. And and so. and, and too, I mean, it really helps develop her character because she, you know, is finally going to stand up. To, she well, she stands up to Andy and says, "Go, I need to think about this." And then also, um, she lays into Mark as he's trying to hit on her too. So she's like, these these women are finally like standing up to these things are like obviously these flaws or you know these things they haven't been able to kind of get over and, right. and it sets them up to be free now to really develop their character and not get hung up on waiting around for these other people, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, season one is in the bag Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it started off so rough, so rough. Um, but already six episodes in, it's like, wow, they've got to figure it out. This is good. This is going to be a good show. Yeah. And, uh, and it does, it is, and it only gets better. My, uh, Jocelyn, as I was scrolling through to find the episode, um, she wanted to like, just look at all the pictures. Jocelyn is my daughter. Okay. So the internet doesn't know that. Oh, oh um, I, know, I knew that. Um, and so I, oh, she was scrolling through. And so there's this episode with a time jump in it. And she's like, what happened here? What is this? And I was like, Oh, we're just gonna have to wait and see. It's so good. It's so good. So I just get more. The more I think about this show, the more I more excited I am to be able to share it with with people to talk about it. Um, and yeah, so we uh, are looking forward to uh, more of these conversations. Yeah, and and really just being able to focus on um, not just not just the episode synopsis, but kind of connecting all those dots and and seeing how those relationships change people and bringing those characters and the callbacks. It's so it's so well thought out. And now that they and that's why this this episode is so important because it launches the the series into its own direction and sets up these characters to be able to do all the amazing things that Parks and Rec becomes that we all know and love. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, next season, mm -hmm. big changes, big changes, big changes are coming. Um, we're going to go on even more interesting journeys with our friends from Pawnee. Um, they aren't going to have a ton of, um, you know, super like flashy casting or anything. There are some, some treasures that will show up as guests mm -hmm. throughout the season. We'll learn more about, uh, Jerry and Donna uh, that we haven't really gotten to know. 
Ron is going to become a a fully realized and wonderful character in just a little bit. And I'm so excited um, to talk about Ron. He's he's the best. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else that uh, we need to cover before we uh, sign off for this? We're already at 50 minutes Woo. of parks and recreation. This is the season finale, so... I think that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, no, I well, think good. we covered a lot of the trivia, you know, like, um, yeah, the Chris Pratt improvised all those, those band names and they played their own instruments and all those things. So, yeah. Um, there is one thing that we should definitely highlight. This is Mike Schur's first directorial work on this program. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's like the Mike Schur universe is full of goodness. Uh, and, uh, here we have an, a, and at, at evidence of his uh, his work as the director and creator and co-writer and all that with this program. So, and did you see that when he I I read this that he um, was supposed to be playing Moe's on The Office, and he mm-hmm. he was given one day to prep for the directing of this episode, and so he had to turn it down, and that's why um, Dwight instead of Moe's in that episode, they show his friend Rolf. Who had I don't do you remember Rolf? Oh yeah, Rolf, oh, is, Rolf is awesome. Is so and, and he's yeah, but he's a great terrible character. And uh, you know, when we'll, we'll get down that road, you know, in a couple of years. But yeah, I just think it's interesting that these shows have actually really affected each other. And then, I mean, characters get created because like, all right, what do we do? So anyway, yeah, yeah, it is amazing that Mike Sure was involved in The Office and Parks and Recreation at the same time right like that's a huge amount of work and so i uh yeah i'm just blown away by this uh the the creativity that was happening in this this production company with these people um making such great shows so i call it a win if my kids have lunches packed you know so i I don't even know how you juggle two full shows so you probably pay somebody to pack his kids lunches okay see so i'm now i'm learning i get it now yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. You just got I read a book by Tim Ferriss, four hour work week. You just got to outsource the things you don't want to do. It's easy. Oh, you still have to do them. I thought you just worked for four hours and then. No, no. So, yeah, okay. That, that book sold a lot of copies based on lies. So, well, anyway, learning. Well, we don't want to lie to our people nope. that are listening to this. And we already said we should probably wrap up. So we should probably wrap up. So, okay. I, uh, yeah, man. All right. Well, cool. It was a, uh, I love talking about this show, and uh, yeah, it was great to uh, chat with you about episode six. So uh, I'll uh, see you later. See ya in season two. Season dose. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.